Matt had asked me before the lesson if uh, it was going to be basically evangelism related, and I suppose in a way this is, although it's not uh, some of the standard fare that we have been talking about, but I think by the time I get done you'll see why we need to be evangelistic based on tonight's lesson, but tonight's lesson's a little bit different. Karen and I, as you know, have lived in several different states, several different regions of the country. And in different regions of the country, this particular situation I'm going to talk about is referred to several different ways. Whether OUI or DUI or DWI, operating under the influence of alcoholic beverages. It's called OUI, operating under the influence. It's called DUI. It's called driving under the influence or DWI, driving while intoxicated. But whatever, whatever you choose to call it, what happens is, is a person gets high, intoxicated, drunk, out of control, gets into a vehicle and speeds off up the highway not in control of their senses, not in control at all of anything, and they will go recklessly speeding and out of control, not even realizing how impaired their judgment is. Not realizing how impaired their judgment is because of their substance abuse, because of the momentary euphoric feeling that they may be having behind the wheel. And as they, as they drive up off the highway and just this euphoric feeling and inability to really process or even notice the roadside signs that go flying by, they're too far gone, they're too far out of control to even understand the fatal and fiery crash that they're foolish and self-induced thrill-seeking is about to cause. Why do I bring that up tonight? The reason I bring that up tonight is because it is the perfect illustration of what we're going to talk about. Because you see, the same is true in the spiritual world as well. There are lost souls out there that are speeding recklessly and without abandon up the wide and easy freeway that leads to destruction. They're, they're speeding recklessly without abandon up the wide and easy freeway, too, too drunk on their own thrill-seeking and their euphoric pursuit of pleasure to even consider the warnings. They're headed for a fatal and eternal fiery crash that is always the inevitable result of their reckless spiritual abandon and their rejection of God's authority. In fact, in that fast thrill ride, living in the wide and easy in pursuit of pleasure and all of that, this reckless abandon that so many people's lives are in, the one thing they can't outrun is that inevitable fiery crash that lasts for all eternity at the end of their journey. But you know, almost unbelievably, you've also got religiously zealous people who are doing the same exact thing. Specifically tonight... I want to talk about those who are operating under the influence or worshiping under the influence of false doctrines. Brethren, there are religious people out there that are so drunk 
on emotion. Their whole spiritual experience is all about this, this euphoric emotion. It's all about feeling. They're so drunk on feelings and emotion that they are totally unable to adequately react to or even recognize the divine warning signs that are right here in this book as they fly by them towards their own destruction. They can read it. They can read a passage in Scripture as we reach out to them. They can read a passage in Scripture, but they're so so stuck on, well, this feeling and this emotion and and all of this that they, they read the warning sign, danger, danger, danger. They read it and it doesn't even compute. You're so drunk on emotion and feeling. There were religious people who were so intent on keeping up with the darting denominations that are blown about by every wind of doctrine and are going every which way. They're so intent on keeping up with those darting denominations that they become completely blind to the law that will be enforced by him who has all authority. There are religious people so drunk and so high and out of control on the adrenaline of their own self-induced power trips that they are headed towards an inevitable and fiery crash that will last for all eternity. That's what I want to talk about tonight is operating under the influence of false doctrine or operating under the influence of spiritual things that are not biblical. You see, when you first start out as a youth, one of the things that you have to do is study for, prepare for, and take a driver's test. Now, some of us, it was a few years ago when we took our driver's test. Okay, I understand it. But you understand that you had to do that. You remember that, right? You had to take your driver's test. And in a driver's test, that first one, what you do is you have to prove that you will respect and obey the laws of the land or the governing authorities. Now this test that you take, it's a written test, but it's multiple choice, or at least it was in Maine. Multiple choice as well as a skills and maneuverability test that you must pass before you can even get out on the road. And you know, in a very similar fashion, the same was true in a spiritual sense for God's Old Testament people in their youth. Israel in their youth. There was a multiple choice test that they had to pass if they wanted to even get out on God's highway of holiness, as Isaiah called it in Isaiah 35, 8 through 10. If you'd open your Bibles up with me tonight, you'd see what I'm talking about in Deuteronomy chapter 13. In Deuteronomy 13, we see God's multiple choice test introduced and explained to them as follows. Deuteronomy 13, beginning at verse 1. In the early stages of Israel's history, Israel as a youth, Moses told them in Deuteronomy 13, here's the test. Multiple choices. Make sure you select the right one. He says in chapter 13 and verse 1, If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, 
And the sign of the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. The Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Israel had tests coming. There was this test they were going to have to take. If somebody came along and said, You need to worship this way or this way or some way other than what God had told them. You got a multiple choice. You can worship this way. You can worship this way. If this person in your family or this person in your family says, hey, it's okay to worship this way. God is, that, that's the test. And it's multiple choice. He says in verse 4, you shall walk after the Lord your God. In other words, make sure you make the right choice on this test. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You'll serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk so you shall put away the evil from your midst. And I, I like the terminology there as it relates to tonight's illustration. You need to walk in a certain direction. You need to not make the wrong turn. You need to make the right choice. You need to listen to God. This is the test. He goes on again to mention several different people that might try. Multiple choice, as it were. There may be multiple people from multiple different backgrounds telling you to do something other than God said. But make sure, young Israel, that you make the right choice. Now, sometimes, when you have a young driver in the family that's just starting out, one of the things that we as parents seek to do is to emphasize to them the importance of obeying the authorities. And we seek to do that by trying to tell them stories of other people who didn't obey the authorities and the mess they got into. Maybe some of you with your own kids said, um, you know, back when I was younger I had an accident because I wasn't paying attention or, or whatever. Perhaps a good example to call to the remembrance of young Israel at this point would be the story of those who over the course of their own personal power trips which they had embarked upon they resisted and they rejected and they rebelled against God's chosen laws and authority and when they did that because they were on their own power trip some of them drove right off over a great cliff some of them had a terribly fiery crash some of them, when they drove off of that great cliff, they drove into a huge chasm and fell to their death. And they took their whole families with them. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and the 250 leaders of Israel that we read about back there in Numbers chapter 16. What did they do? They rejected the authority of God, and again, this idea of, of driving drunk, they were on their own power trip, their own ego trip, and they decided to rebel against God's chosen authority and God's chosen leadership, and as I said, drove right off the cliff. Great chasm opened up, right? And what happened? They took their whole families with them. While the 250 of the leaders were destroyed in a fiery crash at the end of that story. Read Numbers chapter 16. You see, they were operating under the influence 
of their own humanly devised hierarchy. And they tried to outrun God's divine and determined justice. But again, if you read number 16, you'll find out it didn't work that way. However, as we know, as young Israel grew, got older, soon started to do the same thing Korah had done. Israel, seeking to drive up this highway of holiness, again as Isaiah called it. What did they do? Well, they began to reject the authority of God. They began to pursue their own national and personal power trip. They began to operate under the influence or worship under the influence of false and fatal doctrines. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 12, would you please, and we will see this. 1 Kings chapter 12. In 1 Kings chapter 12, beginning at verse 26... Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom may return to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Therefore, the king asked advice, made two calves of gold, and said to the people, is it, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. And he set up one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. He made shrines on the high places. He made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. Jeroboam ordained a feast on the fifteenth day of the eighth month, like the feast that was in Judah, and offered sacrifices on the altar. So he did at Bethel, sacrificing to the calves that he had made. And at Bethel he installed the priests of the high places which he had made. So he made offerings on the altar which he had made at Bethel on the fifteenth day of the eighth month, in the month which he had devised in his own heart, and he ordained a feast for the children of Israel and offered sacrifices on the altar and burned incense. He got Israel to operate under the influence or to worship under the influence of false doctrine. You know, as I read that, <clears throat> kind of reminds me of the story. I heard a story once about a, I don't know if it's true or not, it's one of those sermon illustrations, you never know with those, okay, but work with me. Police officer pulls up behind the car, car sees the police officer's lights, takes off down the highway, they have this high speed chase, and finally, when they get to the end, police officer finally gets the car pulled over after several miles, the guy looks up at the police officer and says, oh, I saw your lights come on, I thought you wanted to race. What is that? That's justification for breaking the law. And you see in this passage what you've got? You've got King Jeroboam justifying what he's doing. And he's setting up worship according to the desires and dictates of his own heart, rejecting and resisting the authority of Almighty God. That's what you have here. And he got the people to operate under the influence of false doctrine. And this led to Israel's capture and being carried away into captivity, 2 Kings 17, 7 through 23. Yes, it did wind up in their journey being arrested, as it were, and they were taken into captivity. 
You know, there were some religious groups in the Old Testament, not worshipers of Almighty God, but there were some religious groups in the Old Testament that operated under the influence or worshipped under the influence of some literally killer false doctrines. And the thing was, part of their religion was operating under the influence or being drunk on their own emotions. Drunk on their own emotions. Their own deluded emotions. Go forward with me just a few chapters to 1 Kings 18 and you'll see this. 1 Kings 18, beginning at verse 25. We know the story well, only a few verses. We've got Elijah and the prophets up there on Mount Carmel. And in 1 Kings 18, beginning at verse 25, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many. Call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning to noon. It's like somebody starts drinking first thing in the morning. Saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. And they leaped about the altar, which they made. They began jumping up and down and just working themselves right into a frenzy. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he's a god. Either he's meditating, or he's busy, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out of them. These guys got so into a frenzy, they got so emotional and hyped up, and they're dancing and jumping around, and they're cutting themselves until the blood is gushing out of their bodies, as was their custom. How's that for a religion? And they're just, they're just worked right up on adrenaline and emotion. They're drunk on this. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. Well, as we know, if we read the rest of that story, it was this emotional drunkenness. And that's just what I'm going to call it, because that's just what it looks like to me. This emotional drunkenness finally led them to a fatal crash on a dead-end street. Verse 40. Now, the New Testament as well has some extremely similar accounts. Not only accounts of, but warnings for those who would operate under the influence or worship under the influence of false doctrine. And the final, fatal, fiery crash that awaits them as well. Our test is a lot simpler. At least it's a lot shorter. It's an abbreviated version, perhaps, to begin with. Our test is simply this. If we want to get out onto the straight and narrow road that leads to heaven, our written test is summarized by John chapter 14 and verse 15, in which Jesus said, If you love me... Obey my commandments. That's our test. Short, simple, sweet, and to the point. But just like there are deadly substance abusers who are operating under the influence on our physical highways, there are deadly scripture abusers which are operating under the influence of false doctrines on both the wide and easy way that leads to destruction, as well as even some that have started out on the straight and narrow way that leads to heaven. Although those scripture abusers that are operating under the influence 
start, who started up the straight and narrow, they're never going to make it to their destination without wrecking if they do not slow down, get sober-minded, and begin reading, heeding, and obeying God's warnings. Folks, there's some that are operating under the influence of false doctrines on the straight and narrow and they are headed for a fiery crash and they're going to be a danger to everybody around them until and unless they slow down, get sober, and start reading and heeding the warnings. Peter told us about them. Open your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter told, them, told us about them in both the beginning of his first as well as the ending of his final epistle. 1 Peter chapter 1 beginning at verse 13, Peter writes, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it's written, Be holy, for I am holy. We cannot be conformed to our former lusts. We cannot be driven by the adrenaline of emotion. If it feels good, do it. If it's exciting, then it must be right. All of those former lusts, especially when it comes to worship, Peter says you've got to get rid of those. You've got to be sober-minded. You've got to be right-thinking. You've got to be in control of your faculties. You've got to understand that what God wants you to do in His law and the worship He wants and the lifestyle that He wants you to lead, God's put that all down right there. Be sober-minded. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't go, don't go off on this emotional or egotistical power trip driven by adrenaline. That's, that's, be sober. And look what he says at the end of his second epistle, 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 14, as it relates to this lesson as well. He says, Therefore, beloved... Looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot, and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, is written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking them in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware. There's a warning right there. Can we see the warning sign? Beware. Lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. We can be led away off the straight and narrow. We can be hit and have ourselves damaged spiritually by those who are operating under the influence of, of ego or pride or emotion or adrenaline, even on the straight and narrow. We have to be careful. If we see somebody weaving and they're blown about by every wind of doctrine and they're all over the place spiritually, speaking, even in the Lord's church, we need to be careful they don't hit us and take us off the road with them. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, unfortunately still though, there are a lot of religious zealots today who still choose 
to outright defy and reject God's all authoritative rule book. There are religious zealots even today who foolishly imitate those Baal worshippers we talked about. And they do this by seeking to augment or stimulate or supplement their own emotional and euphoric worship experiences. How do they do? You know, it's like a, a drug addict. They start on something lesser and it doesn't give them the same high after a while. And so they have to go to something stronger. And, and after a while, that doesn't give them the same high and they have to go to something stronger. And, and they continue to get something stronger until it kills them. You know, people that are driven by just emotional, euphoric ex worship experiences, for lack of better terminology. The problem is, is you know, if you have a you have a rodeo as part of your worship assembly, or you have a, a concert, or you have people jumping up and down, and you have all this chaos. The thing is, is that's only going to last for just so long as a spiritual high. And before long, they're going to need brighter lights and bigger bands and more people jumping higher, and it's going to have to get bigger and better. And, and they move up to that level of euphoria and all of a sudden that's not going to be enough to feed them because they're going to kind of grow dull to it and they're going to need to take it to the next step and before long you've got this this thing that couldn't be any further away from worshiping God the way God said to worship in spirit and truth and that's the trouble with these folks who are spiritually operating under the influence addicted to their own emotions and feelings You know, just like those Baal worshippers we talked about, there are those today who are seeking to stimulate their own emotional worship experiences and supplement them through the unlawful, biblical that is, usage and under the influence of candles. Well, you know, if we just add candles and we turn the lights down when we're having the Lord's Supper, that will just increase our experience. If Jesus Christ's death on a cross is not enough to stimulate you spiritually when you gather around the Lord's table, a couple of candles ain't going to do you much good either. They seek to have rodeos and bigger laser light shows and unauthorized instrumental music and bands and drama productions and all of this so I can just get this euphoric high. They're operating under the influence on the spiritual road, or spiritually speaking, I should say. There are others who, just like Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and the 250 leaders of God's Old Testament people who are so drunk, talking religious people, who are so drunk and high and out of control on their own self-induced power trips, that they are headed for an inevitable fiery crash that's going to last for all eternity. If you want to read about them, Peter wrote about them in 2 Peter chapter 2, the entire chapter. Many are going so fast and they're so out of control and so high on their own ego and power-driven adrenaline, they cannot even process the warning signs. There are several, well, there are some, denominational preachers whom you may listen to on the radio from time to time you may hear them and they preach a really good biblical lesson okay they do until they get to the invitation how you can get somebody who can preach such an intense biblically accurate lesson 
And then, just like we talked about last, within the last couple of weeks, they get right up to the invitation. They'll tell you, you've got to repent. You've got to believe. But they can't see baptism in those very same verses. They're so high on their own power-driven adrenaline, they can't even process those warning signs that you've got to repent and be baptized. That he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. But they can't even see it. It's like they've got blurred vision. They're so drunk on their traditions or emotions or whatever it is. And then you have many today, just like King Jeroboam in 1 Kings 12, who apparently think they can just simply reject God's authority with impunity and worship any way they want to. According to the desires of their own heart. Hey, don't care what God said. You know, we'll do something like that, but we're going to do this. We'll set it up the way we want to in our own heart. You know, this would include just briefly things like even churches of Christ today. Who say, yeah, we're going to have female preachers. We're going to have female elders. God's law says, no, you're not. Not and be my church. 1 Corinthians 14, 33 through 37. That's a command. These people that want to just institute worship their own way. God said eight or nine times in the New Testament, excuse me, that we are to sing. That's God's law. Sing to me. I want everybody to sing to me from their heart, with the understanding, with joy in their hearts, with gratitude. I want them to sing together. That's the law. That's the law of Christ. And for those of you that think I'm using the word law out of context, the scriptures talk about the law of Christ. We're under Christ's law. And that's what the law says. And people who want to break that law and bring in bans, they're breaking the law. They're operating under the influence of a false doctrine. They're under, operating under the influence of the dictates and desires of their own hearts. And they're not listening to the lawgiver. There's a price to be paid for that. Sadly, there are some even on the straight and narrow who are so intent on keeping up with the darting denominations that they have become completely blind to the law of Christ. But that law of Christ will be enforced by him who has all authority. Matthew 28, 18. Let me give you an example. Before we turn to our final scripture verse of this lesson. You go out here by the highway. And you got these access roads on both sides of the highway. Okay? So let's say that you're traveling down one of these access roads towards Westport or wherever. You're going down through there on this access road, little two-lane road. You know, you're, you're on the straight end, narrow, at least narrow. It's not totally straight, but work with me here. Okay, you're on this little straight and narrow, and, and you're doing 45 miles an hour. Whatever the speed limit is, I guess it's 45. You're traveling along, and as you look out there on the freeway and the highway, traveling right along beside of you, there's cars out there doing 70. And they're traveling side by side, going in the same direction. Is that right? Sometimes you see the headlights. It's kind of scary when you're on one of those little side roads. It's like, whoa, oh, wait a minute, they're over there. Okay, you know what I'm talking about, right? What if you, on this little straight and narrow road, where the law says you're going to do 45, and you're headed for your destination, you're headed home, and you look out there on that wide and easy freeway, that wide and easy that leads somewhere else other than where you're going, and the cars going in that direction are doing 70 miles an hour, and they're traveling side by side because that's four lane, and you say, hey, I want to be just like them. So what am I going to do? I'm going to turn around, get somebody to drive beside me, and we're both going to go 70 miles an hour down this side road. Does that work? No. Here's how the illustration works. 
When we're on the straight and narrow and we're obeying the law of God and we're seeking to worship sober-minded the way God wants us to in accordance with the law on this little straight and narrow path, is we look out there and we see the denominations doing all of these things and they're headed down a wide and easy road and they're not paying any attention because I'll tell you, you do 70 out there on the highway, somebody's probably going to run over you. And they're doing all these things and they're traveling side by side. Folks, we got a different set of rules. We can't travel side by side at 70 on the straight and narrow. We've got to pay attention to the law of God. The bottom line is this. If we are going to operate out on the straight and narrow, and we plan to make it all the way home to heaven, we must never worship under the influence. We must never operate spiritually under the influence of anything other than very large doses of the pure and divinely inspired word of the living God. This is what we must be under the influence of. Please open with me in your Bibles to our final passage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It underscores this entire lesson and illustration. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Brethren, we must remain awake and alert at all times to the dangers of such satanic poisons as false doctrines. We must never ingest them. We must never operate under the influence of them. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 2. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. <clears throat> I would imagine that there are people who say, oh, just have, you know, one drink's not going to hurt you. Have a little of this. Have a, have a little bit of this. Oh, man, make you feel so good. Just have, yeah, you're okay. Hey, I'm okay to drive. I can go drive. You know, it's cool. I got this. Yeah, peace, safety. It's all right. I can, I can do this. They get behind the wheel. And they take off. They say, peace and safety. I'll be okay. But guess what happens to so many of those people? Suddenly, boom. Sudden destruction comes upon them. But you, brethren, verse 4, this is why we must never operate under the influence of those things. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. We, verse 6, we must not fall asleep behind the wheel, spiritually speaking. We must not fall asleep spiritually. We must not fall asleep when we worship. Instead, we must be sober, verse 6. That is, sober-minded or under control. Not emotionally or egotistically out of control on some substance that is foreign or some doctrine that is foreign to the Word of God. Verse 7, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. Brethren, listen. Those people that fall asleep behind the wheel or who drive drunk, usually, not always, typically do so when? Day or night? Night. Generally speaking, the majority of accidents that occur on our highways where people fall asleep behind the wheel 
or they're operating under the influence happen under the cover of darkness. They happen at night or in the dark. And when those people get out there in the dark and they fall asleep or they operate under the influence, they are a danger to themselves and others on the same highway. That is why we must walk and live and travel in the light of God's Word. That's what he's telling them. Stay awake, stay alert, be sober, you're children of the day. Verse 8. But let us who are of the day be sober. Here it is again. Wow, we've got drunkenness, soberness. Yes, this works with our little driving illustration tonight. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Whether we wake or sleep, no matter how or where we operate, we must never operate under the influence of some adrenaline power trip, some emotionally induced spiritual drug. We must operate under the influence of sober-mindedness and obey the law of God if we intend to make it all the way up the straight and narrow home to heaven. If there's anybody here tonight who's not a member of the Lord's Church, if you've never been baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, or if you have, and you know, maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe you're struggling with some sin. Maybe you're struggling with some decision. As was mentioned in our announcements, uh, you know, there's some decisions to be made tomorrow with Alex and Lisa's court case, and they're kind of worried about those things, and, and several of us may have those sorts of things on our mind. If you're needing the prayers of the church for any reason, or again to be baptized and become a member of the church, if we can help in any way, please come to the front as we stand and sing.